0: This is a Squiz podcast, We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Larissa Moore. And I'm Eliza Harvey. It's Wednesday, the 23rd of February. In your Squiz today, Russia invades Ukraine, a funding boost for Antarctica, daylight savings on the cards for Queensland, and the question of coriander. This is your Squiz today. Just after we put the podcast out yesterday, Russia sent troops and tanks into eastern Ukraine. We've been talking about it for a while, Eliza, and it finally happened. It came as Russian President Vladimir Putin also announced that Russia formally recognised the breakaway regions of Luhansk and Donetsk. He said the troops were needed there for peacekeeping to protect locals against Ukraine's aggression. First things first, let's cover off the reaction from the US, the UK and Western European nations to that justification from Putin.
1: Yes, well, they said that this notion of a peacekeeping troops force was nonsense. Uh, Boris Johnson described Russia's moves into Ukraine's east as an ill omen and a very dark sign. And then there was a big meeting of the UN Security Council where members accused Russia of breaching international law. And on the back of all of that, Britain has announced sanctions against Russian banks and individuals. And the EU has done similar things. They've sanctioned members of Russia's state Duma, so it's parliament, um, as well as 27 Russian corporate entities and more individuals. So one of the big hits, though, is from Germany. It's actually stopped the approval of an $11 billion gas pipeline that's called the Nord Stream 2 project. And that was meant to be something that was great for Germany. It was going to provide very cheap gas from Russia to Germany. But now the Chancellor Olaf Scholz has put a halt to all of that.
0: As for U.S. President Joe Biden, he's due to make an address shortly. Ukraine's president has said we don't know anything to anyone and we will not give away anything to anyone. That's as a response to a pretty fiery press conference from Vladimir Putin.
1: Yeah, that's right. So he did this big address to the nation. And he said, he said a lot of things. It was a long press conference. But basically, the nub of it was that Ukraine has never had a real right to statehood. He said that there was not a tradition of genuine statehood, in adverted commas. And then he went on to say that Russia had created Ukraine. And these comments have been interpreted by Russia watchers as justification for a broader push into Ukraine. There's
0: definitely plenty more to unfold. As for Australia, Prime Minister Scott Morrison has said it's nonsense to suggest that Russia has sent in troops to keep the peace. He says Australia will support any country imposing sanctions on Russia. There are 38,000 Australians with Ukrainian heritage. Very tough news for those concerned about family and friends. One other impact to immediately note is that the price of oil has jumped already in response to the news. It's up 4%, the highest in seven years. On to the other side of the world now. The Australian government has announced a 10 year, $804 million funding boost for projects in Antarctica. While there's a scientific and environmental angle to much of the funding, it also has a lot of strategic importance, especially as China turns its attention to the continent.
1: Yeah, that's right. So Australia is going to supply drones, helicopters and other vehicles to help scientists explore Antarctica and look at the climate science. And our Environment Minister, Susan Lee, says Antarctica has strategic importance, that it should be free from conflict. That's an interesting phrase when it comes to Antarctica because it's not an area that's been mm. um, hit by any conflict. But the context here is that under a treaty signed in 1959, Australia lays claim to 42% of the continent and that treaty is set to be renegotiated in 2048 and in recent years China's been interested in the inland areas and fishery access. So hence the fears that Beijing could challenge Australia's claim. So all
0: in all the funding and attention announced yesterday is set to shore up Australia's claim to the region. Over to Tonga now, it's been a month since the Hunga Tonga Hunga Ha'apai volcano exploded, setting off that giant tsunami. One of the biggest pieces of infrastructure that got damaged was the underwater internet cable that gives Tonga much of its internet. The good news, it's back up and running.
1: Yeah, and what a huge relief for the Tonga community around the world because it was almost impossible to get information in the immediate aftermath of that eruption. People were using satellite phones to call loved ones, both in Tonga and around the world. Crews have been working on that cable. They initially thought it was broken only in a couple of places, and when they went to have a proper look, they realised that the damage was more extensive and sections had to be rebuilt, so that slowed everything down. And Tongans have been long called calling for a backup system, perhaps another cable, but that's going to be really expensive. And, of course, the Tongan economy is not in great shape now. So Australia and New Zealand is actually working with them to look at how much that might cost and how that might work. But in the meantime, Elon Musk's SpaceX has actually been in Fiji establishing what they call a Starlink gateway, and that's their system of providing an internet connection through their satellite network.
0: Yeah, so interesting to see if that could be an alternative backup option Option. There is still one cable to be fixed, and that's the one that connects smaller islands to the other, but it must be a relief to Tongans to be back in touch with the world. It's been 30 years since Queensland held a referendum on the topic of introducing daylight savings. With nearly 55% voting no, it's the only eastern state not to wind the clocks backwards and
1: forwards. But that could all be put to the people again, Eliza. So in 1992, 54.5% of Queenslanders voted against daylight saving, 455 half voted in favour of it. So at the time, there were these concerns that, you know, if you brought in daylight saving, it would affect farmers who get up early in the morning. Uh, I think, you know, fair enough to to recognise that the further north you go, the hotter it gets in Queensland and that afternoon really burns. Uh, But now the Lord Mayor Adrian Schrinner says he reckons more than 70% of Queensland's southeast, so that's more than half of the state's population, do support introducing Daylight Saving Time. He said it would make sense to have the same time zone as the rest of the east coast and, you know, help business and people move around more easily. But... that's going to be a controversial vote if indeed that happens. Yes, I know a lot of Queenslanders who enjoy being a little
0: bit different to the rest (laughs) of the East Coast, especially with far north Queensland still opposing the idea As you say, the Queensland tropics gets less variation in daylight hours as the seasons change, so less need for that daylight savings. One option, Schrinner said, could be splitting the state up into different time zones. It's brought back memories of Quexit, a Queensland-style Brexit (laughs) where they split into two. We'll have to see if the referendum gets underway first before we start uh, exploring any exit options. Now, we haven't known each other long enough, Eliza, to get to the whole coriander question. Is it an essential herb? (laughs) Does it taste like soap? Either way, McDonald's in China have decided where they stand. They're making a coriander ice cream sundae.
1: Look, I love coriander in my dinner particularly if it's great Thai food. <laughs> uh, not in dessert, no. Um, but what you you're <laughs> referring to here is Macca's calling it the cilantro Sunday, And of course, cilantro being the American word for coriander. So this is like your normal vanilla sundae from Macca's, but topped with like a bright green coriander sauce and little flakes of fresh coriander on top for some texture, perhaps. Uh, it's launched earlier in the week, and I think it's going to be like a five-day only thing. But Uh, To be honest, I can't really see it catching on here. Yeah, I guess it is a limited menu item and
0: it has gotten a lot of attention, so maybe it's achieved what they were after, but uh, it would not be on my Macca's order, I'm just saying. Now, if you'd like to turn your mind from coriander to something more pleasant, then one of the links we've included in the Squiz Today newsletter is is a link to America's most expensive home. It's on the market for a cool $411 million Aussie dollars. What's that going to get you, Eliza?
1: Well, it's going to get you and perhaps 30 of your closest friends room to live very comfortably. (laughs) So this is a huge property in LA known as the one. And the pictures, they look like a sprawling resort. You know, it's the multiple bowling Mm. alleys, the five swimming pools. Apparently there's a beauty salon there, which could be quite convenient. But, um, apparently the developer has been embroiled in a legal battle with the lenders for the one. And so the sale price of 411 million is actually a bargain right real estate say should be more bit of a discount uh yeah, you and all your
0: friends in the twenty-one bedrooms, forty-nine bathrooms. It's got a moat on three sides. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'll pop a link to it in your episode notes if uh, perusing real estate is is a bit of a favourite pastime of yours. As always, if you're ever wanting more details on the stories we cover in the podcast or a bit more of the quirky news, there's always three in our apropos of nothing section. Head to thesquiz.com.au to check out our Squiz Today newsletter. That's about all from us today. Have a good one and we will We'll be back with you on Thursday.